Welcome to New Life Church's weekly message. New Life Church's mission is to lead people into a transforming relationship with Jesus through the gospel. This week, speaker Alan Budd gives the second message of the series entitled, The Spirit. You can find the sermon outline and video for this message at enewlife.com or the New Life Church Kahana mobile app. Well, Pastor Brian talked about the Holy Spirit last week, and we're going to continue on uh, talking about the Holy Spirit, how to practice the presence of the Holy Spirit. And since it's about the Spirit, I thought it would be inappropriate for me to plan anything ahead of time. But instead, we'll just let the Spirit lead, okay? So let's do that. Hold on one second. Just one second here. I thought we talked about this. I was going to go up. You're going to talk. Let's do this. How many, that's awkward, right? <laughs> How many times have you been in that spot where you're like, I want only the Holy Spirit to speak. I'm not going to do anything until he does. And we're waiting on him. It seems like he's not going to talk, so we just kind of jump in. Well, that's not what I'm going to do today. So let's actually, let's pray. Let's, let's invite the Holy Spirit to kind of lead this time. Will you join me with that? Lord Jesus, so we want to see what you have to say. We want to feel uh, what you want us to feel, we want us to hear the words you want us to hear, and Lord, I want to only say what you would want me to say. Wouldn't this be led by your Holy Spirit, uh, your presence here today? Anything else? Can you separate all the plans, all, the, all the, the, the things that I've prepared that mean nothing unless it's you? And Lord, we really want to hear from you. And my prayer is that our, our Holy Spirit... Uh, that's in all us believers, that it would respond together to each other and that we would connect and we would hear your message today. And, and so would you, would you guide us? We want to lay this at your feet and trust you with it. Help us not to try to snatch it back. In your name we pray, amen. So when I was uh, in college, um, I was a new believer and uh, you know, just trying to figure out how this whole thing worked. And I really felt that uh, God was talking to me through his spirit and telling me the woman he wanted me to be with. Her name was Mindy. Um, If you know my wife uh, now, her name's not Mindy, so (laughs) you can see where the story's going. But I felt that he was saying, you're to be with Mindy. And so I went out to Chinese with my roommates. They were older. They'd been walking a lot longer than me. And we sat down, and I told them what the Lord had shown me. Um, they, they were a little more confused. They said, I don't think you're on the right plane here. And, and so I said, obviously, you don't know what you're talking about because the Holy Spirit told me. So I didn't listen to what they had to say. Instead, so I invite Mindy over. And I say, Mindy, come over to our place. And, and uh, on the second floor, there was a little room we used as a library. And you went out into this little balcony. And it was this rickety old balcony. You know, but hey, it was in the second floor. I was like, hey, it looks out over this um, campus, backyard, and alley. You know, that's all I had. <laughs> so this would be great for me to reveal to her what the Lord has shown me. And so we go up there, we're sitting there, me and Mindy, and, and I say, hey, uh, Mindy, the Lord has told me that we're to be together. And uh, as you might expect, she, was, she looked at me and she said, mm-hmm. He didn't tell me that. Nope. 
So I, I was like, Lord, what are you doing to me? Why did you tell me and not her? And it's one of those times where I was like, what do I do? I just wanted to give that balcony a little shake, maybe just have it all crash and be done with the whole thing. <laughs> Go home to Jesus, ask him what he was doing. But, I mean, have you, have you ever been in that spot where you said, Lord, why do you have me here? You told me to be here. What if, what if this? What if he said, I, I didn't have you here. I told you to go over there. You went over here. See, Jesus longs to, to show us and tell us. Here's what he says. In John 16, he says this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Now listen, when Jesus says something like that, I tell you the truth. He wants you to pay attention. It's a power statement, right? I tell you the truth. Listen to me. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus thought very highly of the Holy Spirit. He wanted to leave. He said, it's good that I'm here, but man, I got to go. And then he goes on to say, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me for what he will take what is what is mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit is a big deal and Jesus is going to use the Spirit to talk to us, but it does have to be from here, from him. He will guide us in all truth. So let's look at some of that truth. What is it he's trying to tell us, okay? So if you haven't yet, reach inside your worship folder. Go ahead and pull out your notes. There's a sheet in there that has some passages and some fill in the blanks if you'd like to do that. And we're going to look at first at Galatians 5. This is what it says. For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. See that? You're, the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. They're opposed to each other. They can't occupy the same space. Now, we know about flesh response, right? We've been around. We hear what flesh response is sin, right? We know there's some bad things that we do. We say, no, sin is not good. Agreed? Sin not good? But I think there's a danger here. There's a hidden response that if we're not careful, we'll miss. And that is when we respond in the flesh, but we make it look good. Living out good things that are me-driven things made to look godly. I think this is, this is the dangerous spot of living out in the flesh versus living in the spirit. Uh, this is what I would call in your notes, I've got a spot there, forced love. Where freedom, that freedom he gives us, gets us to participate due to obligation. You know, we go, well, Jesus did so much, maybe I should do something. The other Christians around here are doing something. Maybe I should jump in, maybe I should respond. And so I start doing good and godly things, but it's really based out of what I wanted to do out of my strength, a forced love, if you will. And then there's the other side, which is a free love. Freedom leads, leads us to see love as an opportunity where you say we get to respond in that way because we're living out the godly response instead of 
our strength carrying this out. I mean, if you do it in your strength, in your ways, it gets tiring. Have you ever done that? You try to just do good stuff. I mean, it's good things, but you're doing it for people who just don't respond right. They're not as appreciative as you thought they would be. It gets tiring, and you just kind of give up, or you back off. But we don't want to do that kind of response. So I kind of want to help us to frame that in. I want to give us an illustration that will kind of paint that picture, those two different ways. So I'm going to have some of my Catalyst friends come up here, and they're going to help me kind of lay this out for us so we can kind of see how this plays itself out, okay? So first off over here, we've got, this is your life. This is my life right here. Okay, so we're going to start, we're going to build this life, and, you know, we want to, we want to do this with good things, right? We're going to start with good, godly things. So let's put something big in there, our faith. So let's use that orange, big orange. Yeah, there you go. There's our faith. We're going to start with that, this foundation. We've got to put that in our life first, and then let's do a couple of things that, that's her you know, spouse, house, some big things, okay? And then, uh, well, let me see one of these. This right here, so cuties. We'll call these our kids, right, because they're little cuties. So go ahead and put some kids in there, put our lives. Yeah, little cuties. And then, um, wait, how many are you putting in there? <laughs> you can put one more. That's it. Okay. So you got your kids, important things like that, and then, uh, the next is career. Let's put one of those limes in. Yeah. <laughs> career, and then you got good things like give to the church, right? Go to a small group, another lime. Yeah, let's keep putting that. Let's put um, serving in a ministry. That's good. Put that in there. Oh, yeah. Man, we're building a great life. Come to weekend celebrations, all the things that we do around here, right? And then some hobbies. Go ahead and put throw a hobby in there. Yeah, that's great. And then there's the things that life, life just throws your way, right? Sometimes life gives you lemons. So let's put lemons in there. You guys heard that, right? This is the new. Put, go ahead and put another lemon. Life is just, yeah, oh yeah. Tough sometimes. Go ahead, one more. That's great. So here's our life. So this is our life, and we say, okay, this is our life, Lord. We want to be everything about you. Will you bless it? Will you empower it? You know, fill it up with your Holy Spirit. So let's fill it up with the Holy Spirit here. We're not going to use fire. We're going to use water. A little safer. Let's go ahead and put that in. Yeah, we want to get in there in every corner, nook and cranny and all that stuff. Yeah, put some more in there. Yeah, let's get that nice and full with the Holy Spirit. There we go. All the way to the top. We went completely. We don't leave any room for sin. Perfect. There you go. There's our life. We built a nice life, and we said, Lord, we're going to give it all to you. We bless it all. We empower it all. Now, let's do this side over here. This is our life, or your life. But this time, I want to start with the Holy Spirit. I want to say, you know, not only do I want to build this life and ask you to bless it, but instead I'm going to say, this is all about you, and I'm going to actually refuse to go unless you go first. So let's put the Holy Spirit in first. Yep, that's good. Fill, fill up some more. A lot of the Holy Spirit. Don't hold back. Don't hold back. Keep it coming. Yeah, fill it up. Let's put, let's put some more. You got some more Holy Spirit? Let's put that in there. And so here, we're going to say, we want to be completely full of you. This is our starting point. Now, let's do the same thing. Let's go ahead and add our uh, faith, put our faith in the end, and, and our yeah, house, and, and our, our marriage. Those are good things. Put that in there. Now, go ahead and add in some, some kids. Yep, careful. How many kids? Yep, they make a splash. Yep, put kids in there. And then put in some of those limes. That's our small group. We're coming to church. We have hobbies. We do good things. Yeah, there we go. 
You see all this? As we're putting in more things in our life, the Holy Spirit is overflowing, causing a ripple effect. And then, yeah, we still have lemons, right? We still have things that are thrown away, even if we're walking completely in the Spirit. So here's what I um, submit to you guys. Thank you, thank you. God has a plan for his church, but too often we make our plan. We ask God, instead, we say, hey, bless our feeble efforts, what we have put together, instead of saying, Lord, I refuse to go unless you go first. And when we say, it's you first, and then the things of life come in there, it overflows. And now you look at them here, they look about the same, except this is dry, and this is wet. This had overflow. And so you may go, okay, yeah, I want to do that. That sounds great. Uh, I guess we got to start over and dump the jar. Which had be an interesting dinner conversation today. Go home and go, hey, Oliver. Sorry, we got to start over. Enjoy your new family. That'd be a little awkward. But he's so cute. Well, can, can I be honest? I mean, is this a safe place? Yeah. It's a safe place. Can I be honest? If I'm honest, I live a lot of my life over here. I mean, I even will do good, godly things that I know I have to do, and so I do them. I put them in my life. There's some other things that, you know, aren't bad, but, you know, I just decided I should do, and I build my life, and I ask the Lord, will you, will you bless it? Will you empower it? He's good. He does. But then there's sometimes when something comes along and it forces, instead of being able to do that, leads me to this. And for us, uh, about a year ago, we started, whenever it was, last year sometime, we started the process to foster to adopt. And in December, we had a foster child join us, a little girl named Katie, eight years old, sweet little girl. And it was going great, although we had to learn a lot of new challenges. She, she doesn't communicate verbally, and so we had to learn some things and, from disabilities that she had and kind of just kind of go with the flow, and it's been going great. And then a month ago or so, she started punching herself in the face. Every waking hour, she'd punch herself in the face unless we held her hands. We put her to bed, and she'd stir in the middle of the night, and if she started to wake up, she'd punch herself in the face until we saw it on the video monitor and went running in and, and held her. And this is one of those things, I'll be honest, I, most of my life, I can just kind of come to it, I can come up with a good plan. Uh, some challenge comes up, we'll figure out a way, we'll, we'll, we'll switch some things around. When this came up, and we're talking to doctors, and no one knows what to do, and I'm like, I have no clue. I got nothing. So what I would typically do, I'm stuck here, which is actually a great, wonderful place, but I'm at first used to my way of looking at it, of trying to figure out a solution. I'm left to say, I got nothing, God. Will you go before me, and I will do nothing until you tell me what to do next. And I wonder, I wonder, if some of the times these challenges that come up in life are so we have that response See, if I can always figure out a way and I don't necessarily need to involve him until the end when I want him to bless it, then I might just stay over here. I had a friend said, you know, this challenge with Katie, he said, you really, you know, are you ready to throw in the towel yet? I'm like, you mean by throwing the towel, like toss Katie out of her house? What does that mean? And I sat there thinking about it and I thought about 
if I had signed up for this and said, well, I signed up to take care of her, I guess I have to, I'm back in that forced love. An obligation. I mean, I did sign up for it. She's in her home. We have to. But if I continue to go back to why I did it, if I go back to here's why I did it, instead of obligation, it becomes opportunity. Instead of forced love, it becomes free love. That's the spot we want to live in, right? I was talking to my, my wife about this, and, and she kind of shared her response. She says, the enemy tells her things like this. Uh, you're a terrible mom. You're doing it wrong. You can't help her. How many parents have heard that before? That is great. She said, well, then the spirit responded, but he didn't say you're a good mom or you can do it or you're better than you think. See, the spirit's not about boosting us up. The spirit said, trust me. Follow me. I've got you. And then when she's dealing with things with Katie, the spirit will say things like, when she's getting upset, she'll say, hold her now. Hug her. Wrap your arms around her. She needs this. She needs that. See, our spirit responds to the things that he wants to tell us, not the things that we want to hear. I need these times, because most things I can just adapt, but he wants me to transform. And we don't want to just surrender the in-between spaces and say, well, you fill that up. We want to surrender everything first. We want to get to that spot where we say, Jesus, I don't know what to do. I wish you was here. Because then he says, I am here. I am here. You know, if I prepare a meal and I say, Lord, I made this meal. Can you zap it and make it tasty? <laughs> then everyone would say, oh, look how good meal that you made. He's not going to do that. He don't want to boost me up. Now, he may, in his grace, dull my taste buds so I don't know how bad it truly is. But he wants me to invite him into the preparation. Invite him and say, let's make this meal together. I want to follow you because you are the great master chef. I want to make a wonderful meal with a flavor that just explodes. You see the difference? Lord, bless my work, or Lord, allow me to do your work. So I guess the question is, how does he want us to participate with the Spirit to magnify his name? Let's look at that. On your notes there, we got Galatians 5. Let's read that passage, and it says this. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Well, how did you do? You do what I've done, you kind of evaluate, you go... You know, works of the flesh, I'm not doing those, those, those that one, that one, you know, doing pretty good. And you look at the fruits of the Spirit, you're like, yeah, I, I could use a little more of that in my life, do that. Maybe you're evaluating someone you came with, your spouse, you're like, yep, I've been telling him. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, we tend to look at this and kind of see it a little more like a, a checklist. And I made this mistake of something to achieve. 
You know, we like checklists. We like a goal, something that tells us clearly, are we winning or are we losing, right? I spent too long of my Christian life looking to just increase more of the fruits in my life, looking just for the desired results of the Spirit. But this approach does not lead to seeing Christian love as an opportunity. This simply fuels my flesh and makes it an obligation. What can I accomplish? And I've found that the only thing that can break that cycle, the only thing that has the power to remove my performance mentality to get away from that burdening checklist is the Spirit of God. I got nothing else. I mean, if I chase the list of trying to do the right things, I will fail, I'll become discouraged, and you know what it usually leads to? is sin binging. The very thing you're fighting against you finally give in to and say, I can't do it anyways. Have you been there? So what do we do? Well, let's keep reading Galatians 5, 25 now. It says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So if you're going to live by the Spirit, claim the Spirit. I mean, keep in step. That literally means walk in line behind the leader. That's what it literally means. Have you ever caravaned with somebody? There's like three or four cars and only one person knows where you're going. So you all pile in the different cars and that person's leading and everybody else is like right on your tail because they're so dependent on where you're going that they're driving too close. Very dangerous, right? But this is what we want with the Spirit. He knows where we're going. We need to be right on his tail following him that closely and then he gives this amazing and timely warning he just went through a whole list of the works of the flesh but then Paul points out three very specific what I call spirit stealers second part of that passage when it says let us not become conceited provoking one another envying one another the first spirit stealer warning one do not become self-focused would you agree that there's a lot of self-focused people around? And it's hard when you say, well, let me examine my heart. Let me look at my life. Because if we're self-focused, and then now we have to self-diagnose, it can be very difficult. No, I think I'm doing great. <laughs> Pass the test. Check. And so for me, the best way for me to examine my own heart is the most tangible things that I have. And so I look at things like, how I spend my time, and how I spend my money. If I look at my calendar, I look at my checkbook, it tells me where my focus is, right? What did I carve out time for? Who did I carve out time for? What did I spend money on? Who did I give money to? It tells me pretty easily what my focus is. You're still unsure, you ask your spouse, they'd be happy to tell you. <laughs> Listen, if I see that Everything I have is my own. If I approach life like that, there is no way I can follow his lead. Because I will build my life and ask him to bless it. But if I see it all as his, time, money, everything, I can give it all to him first and say, what should I do? Let me follow you. Some of you need to repeat this phrase throughout your day. It's helpful for me and others that I know where you just say something like this, not about me. You gotta coach yourself. Not about me. Come up to a situation at work. Not about me. 
It's a hard thing to remember to do, to open our hands and say, I'm just here listening. Warning two, do not provoke or irritate others. Not provoke. If you're not sure what that means, I'm going to send my three-year-old over to your house for about an hour. <laughs> you can keep him all week. It's great. He'll show you. He just knows how to push those buttons. If we put our thoughts, our feelings, our concerns ahead of other people. We can be led down this path where my life has disruptions, so therefore your life needs disruptions. We provoke. I don't know why we do it. Sometimes pride, maybe. Maybe we feel just inadequate. Maybe we have fear someone else is doing better than us. Maybe we just have a need for drama. You know people like that, right? Here's warning three. Do not envy. Be honest with me, okay? How many genie statements do you think you make a day? Do you know what a genie statement is? I wish I, I wish I had his car. I wish I had that house. I wish I had his job. I wish I had her body. I wish I had his muscles, which, by the way, is why I don't take off my shirt, just so I don't <laughs> cause any problems for you guys. <laughs> I wish my kids behaved like their kids. I wish I had those friends. I wish I had his money. Listen, all of these spirit stealers, provoking one another, envy, self-focus, all of these make a different focus of our heart besides Jesus. And all of these spirit stealers cause separation, not just between us and him, but between us and us. Right? If I'm focused on myself, or I'm envious of you. There's a separation between us. It's harmful to our body, harmful to our church. So I guess the question is, how do I follow? I, I don't want to go back to the list of fruits and just try to achieve them or manifest it by acting it out some way. We know that reverse engineering doesn't work. So what do I do? Well, let's go to Ephesians. And you notice there, Ephesians 2. Here's what it says. So then, you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophet, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This helper one is your identity. Know who you are. He says you're saints in the household of God being built together where God actually dwells. So picture this. You're a saint in the household of God, and God dwells in you. This really, I mean, think about this. should blow our mind every day we wake up. God inside of us. And then he goes on a little bit later in the chapter. He kind of does an aside and continues. Paul says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named. Helper to his prayer. You need to bow your knees. You need to kneel before the king. Submit to the one who is worthy. I mean, some of us, I think, we actually need to submit in that way physically to lower ourselves. Because we may not be seeing God as this reverent God that we need to worship. We've only chatted with him from time to time. And we need to physically bow our knees and say, I surrender. 
I'm going to ask you for things that I can't do on my own. I'm going to ask you and submit this to you. In James 4, it says, you don't have because you don't ask. You ask and you don't receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passion. Sounds like a self-focused person there. He goes on to say, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. That's a promise. So now the Spirit helper, we just need to pray. We need to submit ourselves in humbleness to God. Then it goes on in Ephesians 3. That according to the riches, verse 16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Helper three is truth. Truth. We need deposits into our hearts and our minds so we, we know. It's a strength to comprehend so you know the love of Christ. It surpasses all knowledge. You need truth. You need daily deposits. You need to be in his word. Think about this. How long does it take for you to start believing something that isn't true? We'll convince ourselves of things, right? Some of you, you know, you got good counsel you go to. You got something going on. You ask some, they give you some good advice. But let me tell you this, if your person that you're talking to about what's going on in your life isn't using the word of God, you need to find somebody else. You need the word. They need to give you the wisdom that is the word. I think A.W. Tozer says this the best. I love this quote. He says this. Whatever keeps me from my Bible is my enemy, however harmless it may appear to be. Whatever engages my attention when I should be meditating on God and things eternal does injury to my soul. Let the cares of life crowd out the scriptures from my mind and I have suffered loss where I can least afford it. Let me accept anything else instead of the scriptures and I have been cheated and robbed to my eternal confusion. That's good. That's a guy that holds the value of the word really, really high. Whatever keeps me from my Bible is my enemy, however harmless it may appear to be. I think we have a lot of harmless things in our life. Some people say, well, I don't have a lot of time. Let me ask you this. Where do you spend more time each day? In his word or in social media? Are you more concerned about what he says or more concerned about what other people say? When you have a hard day and you're like, I just want to go home and relax, do you turn on the TV or do you open up the Bible? That shows our value, right? We need the word. We need truth to help draw the spirit out. 
Listen, and this drives our identity crisis that we have, right? The more crap and drivel that you take in versus truth and promises, it changes things. Let's read on Ephesians 4. Here's what it says next. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. How about forge unity? How about forge unity? Disruption here disturbs the Spirit. I mean, I don't know, do you realize how much influence we have on each other? It could be one little word we say or something comes up. It just changes us. We start thinking about and dwelling on it. Also, it becomes something that bothers us. Uh, let, me, let me tell you this. If you have disunity between you and another believer, you need to go to them. Be humble and gentle. Bear with each other. But you need to eager to maintain the unity or there's disruption. And it affects all of us. Because all of a sudden, the spirit's disrupted between us. This is a big deal. If you're not sure, are you at peace? When we're talking about this right now, someone's coming to your mind, you're thinking, yep. But it's not that big of a deal. I can just get over it. Sometimes we, sometimes we can't. Sometimes we just bear with them and say, that's just who they are. Got to bear with them. Other times, we need to actually chase that out. Restore that bond of peace. And I think we also need to change our heart of how ready we are to bear with each other. How willing we are to give grace. I love this song that Chris Rice does. Can I read you the lyrics? It's called Pardon My Dust. Love this. Pardon my dust. Excuse the mess. We're making something new out of all of this. I'm saying my prayers and I'm trying to change. So give me some time because I'm still finding my way. Why are you looking at me this way? Pointing your fingers, shaking your head. How about some love along the way? Instead, pardon my dust, excuse this mess. I've left a trail of debris, so you got to be very careful where you're step. I made some mistakes, so what? Done quite a few things wrong. Could you roll up your tidy sleeves and help a brother along? Pardon my dust, excuse the mess. Please don't be another judge I need to try to impress. Stop calling me names. Stop casting your stones. Let the good Lord sort this all out when we all get home. Pardon my dust. Excuse my mess. Help me believe there's going to be something beautiful on the other side of this. Have patience with me. I'm still sweeping floors. So pardon my dust, and I'll pardon yours. We need to bear with each other. If it's got past that part, there's no peace. There's no unity. I'm going to urge you to take care of that today. That's a disruption of the spirit. We can't say we want to move from here to absolute surrender and be disunified. They can't exist together in the same spot. Well, shortcuts are easy, right? Checklists are helpful. But if we just purely chase the results, it doesn't help us, but it hinders us. 
Achieving the fullness of the Spirit based on anything you can do is not how it works. Absolute surrender is the only way. Laying at his feet, asking him to wash out the self-focus, the envy, the jealousy, submit yourself to God. And really, I guess if you're looking for something on the checklist, there is one sole item you can put on there that will help us to receive, I guess, his spirit. And that's faithfulness to humbleness. If you have one thing to work on, if we're faithful to being humble, then we're putting ourselves right here and saying, it's all about you. I'm going to make those little decisions. I'm going to focus on spirit helpers and I'm going to reject spirit stealers. I'll make it simple. We're either following him as he leads or we're not. You know, I remember when I got my first smartphone that had a GPS in it. I was so excited because I felt so much power, so much freedom. I can go anywhere I wanted to, and if I push a button, it'd take me back home. If I want to explore, I felt really good because I could always look it up and find out where to go next. And as I used it more and more, I could actually put it away more and more. It was always with me, always in my pocket, always docked in my car. I always had access to it, but I mostly knew where I was going, and so I didn't have to pull it out. And there'd be times, though, when I'm going somewhere, and I get to the spot, this fork in the road, I'm supposed to go right or left, and I wasn't quite sure which way I was supposed to go. I didn't have time to grab it, and so I just picked one. Sometimes I got it right. Sometimes I got it horribly wrong. I ended up someplace I didn't want to be. But well, we always have that same spirit. We always have it. He's always with us. The question is, are we accessing it? Are we looking for him to lead us? Or we say, just, just in case, just in case I need you, I'll ask you to bless it and maybe point the right direction. And we get these spots in our life where all of a sudden we're not exactly sure what to do. We've got to make this decision. We haven't been talking. We haven't been accessing it. We haven't put ourselves in full surrender. And we just got to make a decision so we pick one. Sometimes it's right, sometimes it's wrong. And when it's wrong, we go, Lord, why'd you leave me here? <laughs> we need to be accessing the Holy Spirit, taking it, putting it at his feet. And I guess the thing that motivates me, I guess, is asking questions. I like asking questions. And the big one that I would ask here, and I ask in most situations, that I think is extremely helpful, I want you to ask yourself this too. Ask yourself, What's at stake? What's at stake? What's at stake if I do or don't? I mean, obviously what's at stake is if I do it this way, I have the overflow of the Holy Spirit to my life, my personal devotion to my jealous God. I can either come to him only when I need him and ask him to bless it. That's at stake. But then I look at the wetness here, the overflowing of this life here. The discipleship of my children, that's at stake. My responsibility to you guys and you back, to, that's at stake. If I just live just to the brim versus I let it overflow because I go to him first, it changes everything, the entire ripple effect of my life. What about the people that I know that don't know Jesus? What's at stake there? I mean, they look a lot alike. But the people around it, a lot more wet over here. That's what's at stake. And I, I can think of these three levels, right? There's the fleshly response where I respond in sin. We don't want that. We reject that. There's the good response that I'm just doing good things. I'm asking him to bless it. Or here, what is this 
third where I can say, I want to be absolutely, wholly surrendered to you, you first, or I not go. Andrew Murray frames this in really well. I'll leave it with this here. Let us bow before God in humility. And in that humility, confess before him, we are not living a life in the power of God or to his glory. So little power, so little devotion or consecration to God, so little perception of the truth that a Christian is a man utterly surrendered to God's will. It's written over 100 years ago. Okay, think it's still the same? He continues, We must give ourselves to be entirely and wholly for God. How much Christian work is being done in the spirit of the flesh and in the power of self? How much work, day by day, in which there is little of waiting upon God and upon the power of the Holy Ghost? Let us make confession. Who is there who truly longs to be delivered from the power of the self-life and is willing to cast all at the feet of Christ? There is deliverance. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? For me, it's very helpful if I want to respond to the Spirit is if I make some sort of physical response right then, helps me to confirm it, know what I'm thinking is what I want to respond with. And so I'm going to ask you to do the same. I'm going to ask you to empty your jar. And so if you found yourself and looking at yourself, you think that maybe some spirit stealers have worked their way into your life. There's some self-focus or there's some envy that you need to release to Jesus. Would you just respond by lifting your hand? What about this one? If you think that there is this unity, there's broken peace between you and somebody else in this family, in the family of God, that there is something there that needs to be taken care of and there is a broken bond of peace, would you respond by just lifting your hand? And if you feel the need to confess and you say, I need to submit more to the truth, to his word in my life, and to prayer. I need to get down on my knees in faithfulness. And I need to confess I need more of that. Would you raise your hand? I want to help us to refuse to go unless he goes before us. So I want to pray for us a prayer of deliverance. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that you didn't leave us alone. You gave us the promised Holy Spirit. We know that we have it. It's a guarantee inside of us. But Lord, we want to respond to you. We don't want to build a life and ask you to simply bless it. Will you help us to let it go, drop it from our hands, and instead come to you and say, we want to follow you. We want to write on your tail, and we refuse to go unless you go first. Help us not to snatch those things right back up. Lord, we want to respond to you. We want a ripple effect, the overflow of our spirit into the people that know you and the people that don't, to this family and the people that are lost without you. We want that kind of response, and we ask that you would show us what we have to let go of. And for the people who raised their hand, for the people who said, yes, I want to respond now. I just pray that you would bless them, bless their response, help them know their very next step that they should take, help them to listen 
and wait for you. Help us to confess and bring other people into it and open our hearts so that you can work. Help us be faithful in humbleness. Lord, we're excited to see what you do with this, how you join us more tightly together as a family, and we ask that you and only you leads this. Praise your name. Visit us each week as we continue to journey through God's Word and seek to know Him better through the Gospel. Our prayer is that the Gospel has taken a deeper hold of you as we have studied the Word together at New Life Church, where Jesus is front and center all the time.